When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome into episode number 117 of the Burly Honest Sports Podcast. Uh, big fan of this guy and, and his show, uh, Locked on Orioles. Definitely give him a listen, and, and I'll let him uh, him plug his show here. But uh, Connor Newcomb's joining joining me tonight. Uh, first of all, man, second place Orioles. Can't can't really complain about that. Yeah, but uh, but how are you doing this this fine evening? Yeah, I'm doing great, Aaron. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on. And yeah, I mean, you know winning eight out of nine series right and the one being on the road against a Braves team that I think is probably the best in baseball it's like they they couldn't have started any we're, we're at May 11th as we record and I feel like they couldn't have started any better than this so that is all to say like vibes are good birdland vibes are good um you know living living in Baltimore living down the street from the stadium like all is good a lot more Orioles jerseys out and about um it's it's been nice yeah, I did see it was a pretty impressive crowd last night. It looked like at least on TV, uh, big two to one win. Obviously, I got got a little bit nervous down the stretch there uh, as, as Tampa started to come back. But um, yeah, j- did just enough. Uh, pitching was great all series long. Uh, and even the starting pitching has been very, very good. First first question I kind of wanted to get into with you is who do you think? I'm not going to say it's going to come down to, back to earth, but who who is surpassing your expectations, I should say? Um, as far as the pitching is concerned that, and that can be a starter or a, a bullpen piece uh, so far. I, I guess I'll start with like the easiest layup answer of all time, which is Yin Yer Cano and the fact that this guy didn't even make the opening day roster. And he is like, this is not like I said this on Twitter on, on Wednesday night and actually uh, molded a lot of my Thursday episode this week around this. Like this is not anymore just like this. Oh, cool. Nice story where this guy had this really good start to his season. Like he is legitimately the best reliever in baseball right now. Like he is he is first in basically every stat. He's given up three hits and he hasn't walked anybody and he hasn't given up any runs. You don't even really need to see any more stats for that to be the the reasoning for best reliever in baseball. And then you I, I listed off like 10 more stats. He's either in first or second place in all of them. And so that's probably like the layup answer. And what's funny is it's not even the only layup answer to that question because, like, Danny Coulomb out of the bullpen, he's basically a waiver claim the day before opening day. And I don't know what the Twins were doing, not putting him on the roster. Like, it's not like he was a no-name for them. Like, he'd been in their bullpen for four or five years, and they just said, oh, we're done. And he's got, like, the nastiest slider I've ever seen. And he strikes out Randy Rosarena with it on, on Wednesday night. I mean, those two guys right now, you could argue, are probably their top two setup men. And they found them not much at all and no one expected anything out of those two guys and and when you lose Michael Givens and Dylan Tate right I mean they'll be back probably soon you're thinking there goes our two setup man what are we going to do oh here's Yin Yer Cano and Danny Coulomb we're fine we're, we're you could argue we're better than we would have been with Tate and Givens right now a hundred percent yeah I mean and and as Orioles fans here like we have come to 
I'm not going to say come to expect the team to let us down, but you know, it's been so many hard years and it's been so many like, all right, here's the expectations for this guy. And he doesn't, you know, meet those or, you know, we trade away this piece or, or whatever it might be. But like for, I'm not going to say for once, but like last season, obviously the turn the corner, you know, missing the playoff just by a couple of games and down the stretch. And obviously you, you went into great detail about that on, on your show is about how the bullpen just kind of ran out of gas. I mean, you had Joey Crable just absolutely, you know, just coming apart down the seams and, and things like that. But yeah, I mean, it, it's when they lost Tate to start the year, like obviously uh, Gibbons coming over and coming back to the O's. I was like, you know, if he does well, I'll be happy. I, I don't really know what to expect. You know, he's so-so in Colorado and, and obviously that's a hitter's park, but I was like, man, losing Tate scared me. I'm not going to lie. Cause I'm like, you know, can we count on Keegan Aiken? I'm like, I don't know. You know what I mean? It's, it doesn't give me a, a lot of, of comfort him coming into the game. I thought uh, Bautista would be just as good. He's been, he's been good. He hasn't been like outstanding. I'd say so far um, his control, but of like, it shocks me that, that Cano has the control. Like that was obviously his MO and, and you went into that as far as like when the Orioles traded Jorge Lopez, like this guy had had the stuff, but he never had the control. I mean, he was walking so many batters just in triple A and like he has absolutely flipped a, uh, a switch. Uh, I heard a lot of talk uh, just because I'm in the Philly market uh, that Jose Alvarado is the best uh, reliever in baseball. I can't even I can't go there when I'm watching Cano night in and night out. I mean, he has a zero ERA. And, and he's what he gave up his first uh, like base runner the other day, even. So it's, it's absolutely in, insane. And, and uh, I can't even pronounce his name. Uh, Colombo or Col- I know you're talking, he came in last yeah. night, the left. Coulomb. Coulomb. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's been unhittable and he, and he just throws junk basically. I mean, like it's the twins kind of blessed us so far, knock on wood, cross your fingers. But I mean, I, I was, Jorge Lopez got rocked as soon as we traded him. It seemed like last season, I never fully trusted him either. Not that, you know, any of these guys can be hot and cold. It's such a long season, but I mean, if these guys can just stay consistent and, and not even to this level, like I think no brainer, we, we won that trade because we would have had to pay uh, Jorge Lopez anyway. I think what's funny about it is, you know, Lopez has kind of regained his form this year. He's been really good for the Twins, and he's kind of been in, like, in between their setup guy and their closer again this year. But right. you could argue, you know, the fact that the Orioles got four pitchers in that Jorge Lopez deal, you could argue that the Twins didn't have to give up Yenier Cano probably to get Jorge Lopez last year. Like, if they would have thrown in a different pitcher, I think the O's still would have maybe done that deal. And maybe they saw... Actually, no, there's no way they saw this. Like, there's no way they saw him being this good. <laughs> no. Maybe they saw something where it was like, we can fix him to make him a middle reliever in the major leagues. But if you think about it, they probably could have gotten that trade done without throwing in Cano. The Twins could have Jorge Lopez, Yinyar Cano, and Danny Coulomb in their bullpen right now. And instead just kind of gave up two of them, um, which is interesting. It was like the the Buck Showalter era teams seemed like stole players from the Rangers at all times. Um, and I feel like this is happening with the Twins right now with the Orioles. But it is nice to know that, like, you know, the the O's teams of old under Buck, like, relied on the bullpen a lot. Like, that was where their pitching was. And it is nice to know that I think, you know, number one thing I trust Mike Elias to do is have his staff develop hitters in the minors. That's number one. I would say number two right now is finding a good bullpen out of nothing. Like, I trust that 
at this point. And I didn't early on because I hadn't seen them do it time and time again. Like when they traded Cole Salser and Tanner Scott, I was worried. When they traded Jorge Lopez, I was worried. But they've now backfilled every single time. And I now trust that, you know what, if Tate and Givens go down, if they decide to trade one of these more veteran relievers, whatever it may be, that they've got six dudes in AAA who they trust they're going to turn into a above average or good major league reliever. And that is nice to know because bullpens have never been more important in baseball than they are right now. And it's nice to know that the Orioles can kind of build a good one out of nothing at any time with any player. And what's even better is it's not just making their guys good relievers. They've shown they're really good at identifying other guys who other teams are just putting on waivers to say, oh, we're going to make one change and Brian Baker's going to become this good. Like, we're going to make one change, and Yinyar Cano is going to be the best reliever in baseball. So that does make me feel good about them moving forward, that, hey, who knows what's going to happen with starting pitching offense. The bullpen's going to be there time and time again. Yeah, and that's not something you could say, obviously, in past. I mean, even even throughout the Buck era, like, it was it was good, but obviously the minor leagues were were kind of just, you know, for lack of a better word, like kind of a shit show in comparison to, yeah. to what, you know what I mean? And the scouting was like, you know, wasn't even half as invested in like, obviously the, the Dominican Republic and everything else. And and they've done so much advanced scouting under since Elias has gotten there, since Hyde's gotten there. Like this team is night and day different as far as an organization standpoint, obviously same ownership, which is, is a drawback. Uh, and, and we can get into that, but, I mean, even like I remember down the stretch last year, like I was super impressed with Nick Vespi, and obviously he's not even with the major league club. Like the the options are starting. You're starting to see like this team is really building from the from the farm, and like it's it's actually working. Like it's I'm not gonna say you can win a World Series this way, but it's a very good step in the right direction. And I think the more and more you you progress this minor league system, as they have, I mean they're ranked you know number one in some some opinions uh, across across some uh, outlets there is <clears throat> excuse me is basically we could use these ad tr- as trade pieces if appropriate or if you know we f- if the Orioles feel that's the best move so it's only going to get better if they can continue to draft well which under Elias as long as he's with the Orioles I feel good about that yeah and and the other thing is like you mentioned, you know, you don't know if you can win a world series like this, you still have to supplement to win a world series and they still haven't really done that yet. But and even you mentioned like the buck years, like the buck years bullpens were good. Cause they had like four guys each year who he just ran into the ground, but they were good <laughs> enough to get through a season. But if any of those guys got injured, they didn't have four more guys in triple a to backfill. That's what they have now. And I think that's what makes it so much better. Yeah, no, that's very well said. I was going to bring up speaking of, of, of minor league, talent and and prospects here um this is going to be like a i mean it's going to be hard for you to answer this i mean you know the o's in and out so if i'm going to ask somebody it's going to be you but who do you think and this is just purely speculation i got four names for you who will be the best pro when all said and done uh, you got kyle stowers colton Cowser. i'm sorry just three kyle kyle stowers colton Cowser, or joey ortiz and and why why do you think that um of those three I think Kyle Stowers can still be good. I think he has a ceiling, though, with the kind of player that he is. I think the big swing and miss is never going to leave his game. So he's always going to have a ceiling for how good he can be. Um, I think Colton Kowser does not have that same ceiling. And I think same with Joey Ortiz, because I think he's just getting better as a hitter night in and night out. I'll say that the best pro is going to be Colton Kowser. 
And I think that's because although Joey Ortiz's bat has all of a sudden come around, he doesn't have that sustained offensive success just yet that Kowser, I think, has shown, even when he's gone through slumps. Like, as we're speaking right now, Kowser has homered twice in AAA Norfolk's game tonight. Um, his OPS is now over 1,000 in AAA. I think we're going to see him before the All-Star break come up to Baltimore. And I just think, like, the ability to play all three outfield positions is going to allow him to stick in the majors for a while. And even if he gets older and he can move to a corner and he can still be productive. And the thing with Kowser is he kind of changed his offensive approach a little bit to become, like, more of a power hitter, more selling out for home runs. But I think that means he always has that initial Colton Kowser, like that college Colton Kowser in his back pocket, which was, I don't strike out, I walk, I hit the ball the other way, I hit a bunch of doubles. Um, and I'm kind of like your prototypical leadoff hitter. He still has that in his back pocket if he wants to fall back on that, which I think could mean a pretty long big league career for him. I don't know if it means like eight-time All-Star, but <laughs> I think it could be like a really good sustained big league career. And I'll pick him out of the three just because I feel he's maybe the, the safest of the three to have like a, a sustained MLB career. Yeah, no, I, I like that take. I mean, I've heard nothing but good things. I pretty much what you said is what I've read up on. Um, it's it's exciting. Obviously, like all these guys coming up is like, you know, we we all ex- like not all of us, but there's a lot of people out there that just expect these guys to come up and hit 300 right away. Even Adley Rutschman couldn't do that. Obviously, like he went through a massive slump last season, but obviously he's a pro's pro and and like his success. I mean, he's he's most likely going to make the All Star team. He should. Uh, as long as he stays on this pace. And, and obviously you, you went into how he broke out of that slump and, and breaks out of the slump to hit a home run as well. So like uh, it's just awesome. Like I, I don't even think Kyle Stowers has had a fair chance because he just hasn't played every day or, or even close to that. Um, I do like obviously gun uh, out in Kansas city, throwing home and, and gunning. I can't remember who that was, but just a great, you know, it was like 98 or 97 mile per hour throw from uh, left field. Like it's just like, we have yet to see all these guys obviously even reach their potential, which is, is super exciting. And and even if the Orioles struggle here and there, like there's so much reason to be ex, ex, at least excited. And I just read like just today, they're still 29th in payroll. So like, it's, it's like, we're, we are kind of blessed to be in the AL East doing it, playing as well as we are with, you know, obviously you said like not supplementing any, you know, other major, I mean, we pick up uh, Kyle Gibson and Adam Frazier. That's not, not the flashiest of moves. You know what I mean? We're not the San Diego Padres by any stretch. Not at all. Yeah. So uh, the next thing I wanted to ask you, I mean, we're, we're kind of far away from it now, but do you expect, I mean, obviously Elias goes into like it's liftoff mode, this, that, and the third, do you think this season at the deadline, they, let's say they're sitting, you know, they fall back a little bit, but they're still over 500. Do you think, they they go out and make any type of moves for for pitching or you know or anybody in the lineup for that matter i think they should i think that's the first thing to say like i think they should actually my my friday episode coming out tomorrow as we as we tape this on thursday is a mailbag where i got a lot of questions about the trade deadline which is really funny right because it's may 11th and we're <laughs> right. like the, the trade deadline is is three months away like can everybody <laughs> hold up for a second but you realize that's a good thing because the trade deadline questions aren't which of our veterans are we going to ship out? How many prospects can we get? Mancini May 11th, yeah. <laughs> and people are already saying, how can we add to this team to make a playoff run? And that's really fun. So I, I did talk a lot about this, the episode I, I just recorded before coming on here. And 
there's names out there, right? I, I think everybody's thinking starting pitching for, for good reason, because that's the weakest link of the ball club right now is starting pitching. And, you know, you hope you'll get John Means back at some point, but you just, you can't count on him to be John Means of old, at least now, you know, right after coming back from Tommy John. You'll get D.L. Hall at some point, maybe as a starter, but I do think he'll be moved to relief. So maybe he's not an option. You do have depth, but you don't really have an ace. It's going to be all about, is Mike Elias willing to part with someone like a Jordan Westberg to go get a legitimate ace? I do think they will not trade for a rental. I will say that. I think the player would have to have at least another year on their contract or more for the Orioles to trade for him because I don't think Elias and co are going to give up prospects for a guy who they can't take into their next full season, can't take into the off season and kind of tinker with a little bit. And I don't think John Angelo is at the point where he's going to pay for that guy to come back on a you know contract extension. <laughs> so that's, that's unfortunately how we're operating at the moment. So there is some interesting names out there. I mean, Dylan Cease would be like the dream from the White Sox. I mean, he hasn't started off the year well, but he was second in Cy Young voting last year. The White Sox are a disaster. He's got, you know, they are like an absolute disaster. And and he's got two and a half years left where you could have Dylan Cease kind of dominating. Um, Another guy that I've looked at, like some lesser names, like Anthony Desclafani has had a really good start to the Giants year. They're kind of fumbling around they have a million hitters but none of them can hit it's a very weird team over there um but it's weird because probably the best fits for the Orioles are the guys who are impending free agents it's like Lucas Giolito Lance Lynn you know maybe Eduardo Rodriguez like all those guys could become free agents after the year which is going to make this process really weird because on one hand you could say okay a, a, a rental player costs a lot less than a guy who has three years of team control. So if you're the Orioles, you have such a good farm system that you could give up like this version of Daryl Hernandez, who got you Cole Irvin. Like you could give up another version of that prospect to get a rental pitcher. But is that good enough to help you versus giving up all the prospects, but getting somebody for three or four years? So I think they have a decision to make. I think they'll add and subtract, to be honest, because I think that's what they're going to do at every deadline. They're going to add, they're going to trade guys away. They're on the margins of the roster to clear up space. They're going to be creative. They're going to kind of do what the Rays generally do at the trade deadline, which is kind of go in both directions. Um, I wouldn't rule out like adding a hitter. I mean, I know they have a million of them in AAA that could come up, but if there's like a big masher they could get to hit some home runs from the left side, I I could see it happening, but it's got to be starting pitcher. I I think there's guys to target out there. Um, It's just about like, are they willing to really part with, prospects because I get they traded Daryl Hernandez for Cole Irvin and hasn't worked out so far Irvin could certainly turn around and help the team later but Daryl Hernandez is like you know your your 18th ranked prospect like show me a little bit more to to (laughs) really be able to to part with some of your top guys if you're really serious about winning right now at the major league level yeah no I I think I think you hit on all the bases there like for me I think just in my you know in my gut type feeling I mean last year obviously moving Mancini hurt for a lot of reasons. Um, and, and you went in, I was, I was exactly on board with you on how you felt about that. I wasn't, wasn't the biggest fan of that trade, honestly. Um, and down the stretch, could Mancini have helped us more? I, I think he could have. Um, and, and he was like the heart of the team. So I get it. You got to get younger. You got to get talent in the building, but he was like the, the Orioles through and through. Like you thought of the Orioles, you thought of Trey Mancini. I think this year, if, Anthony Santander, I mean, I obviously he's heated up 
recently. Um, just really hasn't shown the power numbers that he normally has. But obviously, we're we're only here what May eleventh. Like it's so early to say. Like he's not gonna heat up to the point where he's right on on pace to do it again. But I think if he heats up right before the All Star break, like right before the trade deadline, everything right in that ballpark, like that could be a huge piece to move only because of the the outfield. Uh, prospects that the Orioles do have and like if we can get a great pitching in return I wouldn't I wouldn't be I like I wouldn't hate that because obviously he's not a fast outfielder he's not the best in the field to begin with like he has a, a decent arm but like he's replaceable and I and I don't like saying that because he can provide you with a week or two of just like absolute mashing and, I, and he's, he seems to be a, a good team guy but like if we can get some great pitching in return for him and possibly like a prospect of ours I wouldn't I wouldn't be like I wouldn't hate that, I should say. Yeah, and, and I don't think they're gonna re-sign Santander. He's a free agent no. after 2024, so he's got another year after this. Even and that's not even like a purely John Angelos doesn't want to spend money thing. I just the way the roster is built, I just don't see them bring him back on what he could cost potentially if he has like a good year, specifically next year before he becomes a free agent. So I could see like this is a trade I've talked about a lot, like the Marlins need outfielders who can hit, and they have a lot of pitchers. Like a Santander for one of their pitchers deal, even if it's a one-for-one, one, I think would work beautifully for both sides. That's that's certainly a deal that I think could happen. It would be interesting, depending on how Santander's playing right before the deadline, to see how it would come off versus what pitcher they got. But you know what it would also really have to, to lean on, that trade, is what Colton Cowser is giving you at that point. Like, is he in the big leagues saying I need every day at bats or is he struggling in triple a? I think that would really like swing how much they thought about that. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. I mean, it, it's, I just like, like you mentioned, I don't think they'll bring, like, I don't think he has, I'm not going to say like, you know, his, obviously last season he mashed over 30 home runs, but can he do that on a consistent basis? Like, is he like a, uh, this isn't a proper comparison, but like, is he like a Joey Votto type power hitter? I don't see that. Like, I, I, I think at times he can really provide you with, you know, a double when you need it, a home run when you need it. But is he the guy? Like, is he tr- uh, like a franchise player? No. And and like the way he kind of limits you in right field, I, I just, I would, I'd be cool with them moving him regardless, only because, like you said, I, I don't see them resigning him. I don't really know what his value, you know, maybe he's like a $10, $15 million player a year. It's tough to say, but like, I don't think they would resign him regardless anyway. So I'd rather get something for nothing in this case more than I would have let, you know, like Trey Mancini, if they would have got nothing for him and just let him play down the stretch. I, like you said, I, I wouldn't have had a problem with that because it's, like he was the Orioles through and through and like he's his whole career and he was there and obviously battled cancer. Like I know it's a, it's a business at the end of the day, but he was, he was the, the leader of that team. And I don't, I can't sit here and say Santander is the leader of the Orioles. Like it just doesn't, I don't, I think he's a quiet guy. I don't know, but um, I hope that if they're not going to resign him, they at least get something in return for, for him. So. Yeah. That, that might be how it, it shakes out. He's, He's in just a weird position on this roster, which is fine. Like if he's going to produce while he's here, that, that, that works out for me. Yeah. And I, and I like how, I mean, I was kind of, I'm not going to say I was upset. They didn't resign Rugnet Odor. I was like, I think he was a good team guy. And like, he brought the energy that this and personality that this team kind of 
you could say lacked. I mean, obviously in their, in their rough seasons, it's hard to like have a lot of fun and personality, but I think just that Adam Frazier upgrade is massive. Like the fact that Adam Frazier puts the ball in play nine times out of 10, where, I mean, Rubnet Odor, you'd be lucky if he didn't strike out six out of 10. So um, I like the direction they're going. It's just, um, you know, what are the, how are they going to continuously upgrade? And, and I think, man, if we could get Dylan Cease, that would be like, I wanted, uh, shoot. Uh, he's on the Mariners now. Luis, I can't remember his last name. Yeah. Luis Castillo. I mean, that well, yeah. was a dream last year. Oh, that would have been, I yeah. was like cross my, I, I, for whatever reason, I really got my hopes up about that one, but um, obviously let that one slip. But, yeah, if somehow we could get Dylan Cease, I mean, I'd give up some prospects. I mean, he's a proven commodity. Like, And, yeah, I mean, if we can just sure up this rotation, like Kyle Gibson, when he gives you a good start, it's like, man, that's a, that's a veteran guy that knows what he's doing. Like, if we can just get one or two guys that can do that on a consistent basis, in addition to what they have, like, they are headed in the right direction, but they can't. And that's what scares me is about, you know, the Angelus group owning them. It's like, well, we're good enough, you know, and that, that's that's where I don't want to go with this team. Yeah, it's it's the Angelus thing is a whole is a whole other thing. I feel like I've I've yelled into that, uh, yelled about that into a microphone enough in the past six months. <laughs> All right. The, the next thing I mean, this is a pretty straightforward question, but do the Orioles make the playoffs in this this season when when all said and done? I said no at the beginning of the year. I actually predicted the Orioles to finish with the same record as last year, but I predicted them to actually start hot and cool off late, which would have kind of been the opposite of what happened last year. So I predicted them to win 83 games again. I know they've started off hot, so technically that prediction could still be right if they come back to earth. (laughs) But if you think about it, if they play 500 baseball from here on out, which they they play a tough schedule, they play the toughest schedule left in, in baseball of any team. Like if you can go 500 from here on out, at the very least, you can get yourself to about 87 wins. That's pretty close to the playoffs, especially with the third wild card now. Like 87 wins can get you in, and that's just playing 500 baseball for the rest of the year. So I'm going to say yes. I mean, you have to think the the – team will only get better, like unless they get ravaged by injuries. And I will say, besides John Means, the Orioles were pretty lucky injury-wise last year. They stayed fairly healthy, so you always want to be careful because I feel like for any team in any sport, if you're really, really healthy the next year, it might be the exact opposite. And, and we should – I mean, it's already kind of started with Tate and Givens, and now Arias is on the aisle for a while. But I do think, like, they're only going to get better because they either add at the trade deadline or – if Westberg, Kowser, et cetera, D.L. Hall are as good as we think, they're only going to get better when they call those guys up. And if they do both, this at the very least should be a team that can get that third wild card. I agree. Yeah, I, I think, man, they were so close last year and obviously coming apart down the stretch, like that's what killed them. And, and that Blue Jays series in, in particular, I remember it was just, God, it was a punch to the gut. But um, yeah, I, I think they do. I I do have my concern. Like I'm always uh, – kind of a pessimist when it comes to sports like i I, because i've especially the o's like i've seen it happen so you know time and time again like like you have it it's like can they sustain this and and can the starting roots like can dean kramer give you you know three out of five quality starts you know i don't know i that's really a question mark like i i know how good he can be but can he withstand you know an entire season and and 
Grayson has been like absolutely dynamite. Like I don't care what the number, like I think his ERA was still hovering over five, but like that guy just like, if he can just consistently get his stuff in the zone and, and just continue to, to build confidence. Like he is, he's as advertised. Like that guy gives me no concern of like, Oh, you know, he might not pan out DL hall for me. I am a little bit op- apprehensive of like, I, I know his stuff. It can be amazing. I just, I don't know, man. Like it's, it's time will tell and I'm not going to like rule him out, but I just, is he that guy that like, we always are going to think, Oh man, what could have been? I, I don't know. It's so early and, it, and it's not fair for me to even like go that far, but I, I do kind of have that like bad feeling for whatever reason. I do think the one good thing for DL Hall is I still think that the floor for him is good reliever. Like there's some pitchers where the floor is like you never work out at all. Um, and <laughs> right. I think for him, like the stuff is so good. And we've seen him have success in that role late last year. Like as a true rookie, it's tough to have any success as a pitcher, as a true rookie. And he had success as a reliever. I commend the Orioles for continuing to try to have him be a starter. Because like when you look at him, you think like he could be Blake Snell. And so when you're the Orioles, you don't want to give up on the possibility of him being Blake Snell. And Blake Snell has his issues, but he's been an all-star multiple times. Like the guy's a, a good pitcher. So you can't give up on that. But it was really important what Mike Elias said the other day to the media. And for the first time really since the end of last year, Elias said, yeah, we're open to using Hall in a relief role this year. And that told me that... They that he didn't just say that for the first time. That told me that they've been discussing that more and more as he's kind of fully built up and is ready to come back to the big leagues full time. That they're thinking, hey, you know, maybe we can try him as a starter a little bit in the big leagues, but we are perfectly ready to pull the trigger and say, go help us win games out of the bullpen. Um, and I don't think Elias would have said that if the Orioles were 13 and 24 right now, <laughs> but they're 24 and 13, and it's much more about the winning. And I think he helps them win out of the bullpen right now. He could. And the other good thing is like he could pitch in relief from June through the end of the year. And he could still be built up to be a starter in 2024 because he's still young. He still have a lot of years with him and he's still been a starter for most of his professional career. So I think they have options there, which is really, really nice for DL Hall. Yeah, no, when you when you do say it that way, like I am, I would I'd feel a lot more comfortable. And and like I'm not a scout. I'm not they, they have eight million different ways to look at numbers, which I have no obviously reference to, but like, I really do believe him in the bullpen. I would feel like, okay, like he might get wild some, some nights and things like that. But like, yeah, him going inning to inning to inning to inning, especially like we didn't see much of him, but just like what I've seen, I would be a little bit like, Oh goodness sakes. Like, I, I don't know, but yeah, in the bullpen, he could be an absolute – like, even as a setup, man, I could see him being a really dynamite setup, man, or, or you know, just middle reliever in general. Because if, if he stretched out to be that starter, and then – like an Austin Voth type deal, like where he was throwing four, five, six innings last year, and now they'll bring him bring him in for two or three. Like, and speaking, speaking of him, like, that's just another guy where it's like <laughs> off the Nationals, you know, horrible stats in the major leagues, but – I really commend – I think it's the Orioles pitching coaches and, and just that has changed so much. I mean, if you go back to, like um, – I mean, the Jeremy Guthrie's, the uh, – who else am I trying to think of? Uh, Jake Arietta, Like, all these guys that were on the O's that kind of struggled and then went to other teams and did well, I think now you're starting to see the Orioles actually get the most out of these guys where 
during the buck era even i i don't i don't fully believe that we got the most out of a lot of a lot of players especially yeah, we, pitching wise yeah we got the most out of some hitters we certainly did not get the most out of any starting pitchers in that area yeah. <laughs> uh, i'm gonna pause it right here